listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and writing down $1.6 billion of Funko Pop assets that the podcast had invested in about six months ago. <laughs> we fucking told him those Funko Pops were a bad idea. We said, Isaac, no, Funko Pops are killing the planet. And he went, oh. <laughs> I reckon they'll get better. They've got a consistent visual style. It brings all of the different IPs together in a unified way. <laughs> it's printing money. I always said, I always said we should have invested in Ushis. We should have invested in Ushis. But my dad gave me these Funko Pops. <laughs> it's okay, though. We are taking all of that money from the Funko Pop sell-off and putting it into NFTs. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't even joke about that. <laughs> it's because we're fucking assholes. Uh, unlike Origin Energy, which is actually writing down $1.6 billion of assets of in fossil fuels because fossil yeah. fuels suck shit. And I am a big brain money guy and I know what all of that means, but I'm just not going to go into it because I reckon it'll be boring for everyone. But I'm real smart <laughs> and know about it. Pipe I- level of economic expertise that we bring is <laughs> <laughs> literally in the notes here. It's got Origin Energy's writing down a ton of fossil fuel assets because they just suck shit and everyone knows it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what any of that means either, but I am going to go into it. Um, I was just going to say that just the next line under it does say the result of, quote, falling wholesale prices and, quote, the soaring prices of gas does make fake. it look like we also think that's very sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, falling wholesale prices, is it? But, like, this is just another sort of check against... Australia, which loves to have like, you know, fossil fuel energy, even though every single fossil fuel company in Australia is like, please don't make us do this. Yeah. (laughs) It's absolutely like, this is, I consider this to be good news. Like Mm. fossil fuel companies are trying to down, and I don't really understand what writing down assets means or how it works. It's, It's fucking tax stuff because obviously the coal mine is still there. The power station is still there. They're just nominally worth nothing. I don't know. But it's good because it means that these companies are doing worse. No one wants to buy their assets. No one wants to buy their products. The company is sucking harder and will probably just subsidize them more. Yeah, it kind of feels like if they write down $1.6 billion worth of assets, does that mean that that's just like a $1.6 billion, you know, tax offset that they just don't have to pay taxes on now? Uh Oh, well, you know, like, we did buy all this stuff, but... You know, it's uh, it's actually not worth anything, so we don't have to pay any taxes. In my non-expert opinion, this is just basically cooking the book saying, hey, we lost this money, I guess we won't have to pay tax on it. Yeah, and it, it probably is stuff like that, but the important thing is it's also making their assets look worse. It probably makes their share price look worse. It, it, it just generally makes them look shitter because now they're a company that owns less good stuff. Well, actually, Lang, it's very interesting you say that because uh, actually Origin Energy shares slumped as much as 10% on Friday and were trading down 35 cents or 7.4% at 4.11 in late trading. <laughs> really? Oh, Do you- keep me posted. Yes. Uh-huh. I just knew that. <laughs> Tell us more numbers, me. <laughs> 43 cents is fuck all. What are you talking about? <laughs> How's the NASDAQ? Is that still a thing? Oh, it's still bleeping and blooping all over the shop, mate. Yeah. Don't worry about oh, it. <laughs> One of the interesting things here is, is often you hear about uh, companies like writing off specific power stations and stuff like last year or you know previously on an episode we talked about how one of the japanese owned the blue waters coal power station um was just slashed to zero in australia um the queensland owned power plants are not going to be paying much dividends because they're just coal power is shit bhp is trying to offload its coal mines and all of these are specific assets that are losing out on money but origin here hasn't 
broken this down to specific assets. They're just writing down 1.6 billion just in general. They just said <laughs> it's just across the board. All of our shit's worse. Yeah, just <laughs> generally we're doing worse. Um, and and they've put it down entirely to renewables are too good and they're too cheap and gas is expensive and shit. Um, basically, and so that's just good to hear. You just yeah. people trying to compete with renewables, and occasionally you see these like dumb as shit headlines where it's like the problem with solar guys is sometimes the energy is too cheap. Ah, I love that. And that makes it hard for companies to make money. Free energy, mm-mm, that's no good. <laughs> it's like, you've forgotten what energy is for. Yeah, it's for powering our bank accounts. Yeah. <laughs> I think they should invest in renewables. If <laughs> Why don't they do that? They probably do. They probably Even do. From, well, from that article <laughs> that, that, that we are linking in the show notes for this story, is as, as it includes, Origin does not own any renewable assets. Yeah. Like, dipshit company. Wake up, Origin. You got, you got a lot of money. Invest <laughs> in renewables, you dipshits. Mm, I don't really know what the go is with Origin because they're a retailer. Do they own the power stations? So Isaac's just appeared in my headphones and told me that the reason that Origin didn't uh, buy renewables is because they had a CEO who seemed like he was gearing up to do that and then Angus Taylor intervened and got him fired. So <laughs> Allegedly. Angus Taylor, oh, my Lord. Angus Taylor obviously being the federal minister for emissions, uh, making them more. Um, oh, yeah. Also, <laughs> it turns out Origin Energy is the one that's operating the Beetaloo Basin that you might be hearing about. Oh, classic. Doing a shitload of fracking in the Northern Territory. Everyone hates them and it's a bad idea. Yeah. So, so, fuck you, if Origin Energy. <laughs> if you're working at Origin, um, I would say, like, see what you can do to enact change from the inside, but even the CEO is incapable <laughs> of that. If you work at Origin, even now, uh, quit immediately because your soul is gone. Yeah, and obviously, <laughs> if you get your power from Origin, change power companies. Change power That's companies. That's easy, so easy and tiny, but easy. You can use the Victorian site. I don't know about other states, but the Victorian uh, energy comparison site is really, really good. I recently, I won't advertise who I changed to, but um, (laughs) I I, very strongly no sponsorship podcast. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, if you use the um, comparison websites that are state-based, they're really good. The Victorian one is fantastic. You can just upload your data straight from your smart meter into it and it will give you an accurate comparison. So do that. Don't go with Origin. Go fuck yourself, Origin. Some fantastic uh, news this week. Uh, The New South Wales government, which is currently going through a tough time right now with an extended (laughs) lockdown and uh, multiple issues with their prevention of um, either like their residents getting coronavirus uh, or preventing coronavirus spreading throughout their their local government or areas. It really sounds like you're you're talking about the New South Wales people going through a tough time (laughs) while the New South Wales government still has charcuterie and a little champagne every night. (laughs) Yeah, the government's fine. Anyway, something extremely funny has happened, which is that the New South Wales government nearly gave half a billion dollars to an American man who was trying to fleece them (laughs) by selling them overpriced masks. Easily the funniest almost heist that has ever happened in Australia. I really like that not only was he selling the masks for way more than what you should be paying for a mask. It was like five bucks per regular mask. But he didn't even have them. Ten bucks per mask, I'm saying. Ten yeah. bucks per mask. Fifty million masks. 
for nearly $500 million. <laughs> I have to point out this is at a time, This so this went down in April 2020. So this was at a time where there was a happen. lot of scamming happening with regards to masks. There was a claim that there was shortage. There wasn't really, It was a, in some places it was a bit of an artificial shortage where people realised that masks were like a very important thing to have so they stockpiled them and like do you remember like in april last year like you could only get like a box of masks for like 50 to 60 dollars from chemist warehouse that's the kind of like rorting that was happening anyway someone tried to do this to the new south wales government and they nearly succeeded they offered to sell 50 million COVID-19 protective masks that they didn't have. <laughs> and it was only due to American authorities seeing this transaction happening, going, hey, um, we're just going to intervene here because this doesn't smell right. And the Jeez. New South Wales government still, even after asking this guy, the man, his name is Ariel Doolittle. Um, <laughs> so, oh, sorry, that sounds it. like something from The Simpsons. Like he's trying to sell your right? monorail. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've um, sold masks to North Haverbrook, Cogdenvale, <laughs> and put them on the map. <laughs> there ain't no masks here and there never was. <laughs> uh, the best part about this is that not only did they not ask for any sort of evidence that they had the masks, like, from the outset, but when they did do it, he was like, nah. And they're like, okay, well, here's $100,000 and then we'll give you the rest once we do it. It's like... <laughs> yeah, just when you say they nearly got scammed... You do. You don't mean like, oh, they were looking into it and they were setting up some meetings and, oh, no, it was a scam. They tried to transfer him fucking money and the American authorities had to go, what the fuck are you doing? Hold up. Like, this is this is a scam, guys. And they're like, oh, no. And Evie, as you pointed out in the group chat a couple of days ago, you just did some Googling and found out that this guy has been running scams like this for so long. It took me five seconds to find out that this man, okay, we need to point out at this juncture that the $100,000 that the New South Wales government tried to give him in the first instance, the proof of funds was sent to a private email address that was a <laughs> Yahoo email address. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 14 at yahoo.com. It's just so that's good. Just email, that's just a high school email address. Everything about this makes me laugh so much. But, yeah, like it took me t- literally two seconds to Google the name and it turns out that he has previously scammed investors out of $1.2 million in oil and gas deals in the US. So this, could, this yeah. dude rocks. This is beautiful. I love this guy. <laughs> the, 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 the excuse when they were like the, a bit sus about it, they are like, can we see the masks? And he was like, look, they're all in different places. It'd be a big hassle uh-huh. to like ship them all to one place yeah. just to prove that they exist to you. So can you take my word for it? And they're like, how many zeros after the one? Five? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the fact that they're like, okay, you're going to sell us 50 million masks. Cool. What's the name of this mask company? Oh, it's just some guy. It's just some guy with a Yahoo address. Some guy with a Yahoo address who has 50 million masks? (laughs) (laughs) He knows a guy. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And he's just, what's his name? What's his name there? Dr. Doolittle? And he's just like, oh, no, no, Mr. Mr. Doolittle. (laughs) Don't have any qualifications. Just a lot of masks. So at at best, he's a scammer who's like stolen some masks. (laughs) But also like all power to him as well, like with a very searchable name. Still, like, getting in amongst yeah. it and trying his best 
very quickly, like close together scams of just like, yeah, it's me again, do little. What's up? I've got 50 million miles. I've learnt my lesson when it came to the oil and gas refineries that I tried to scam and I've seen the error of my ways. Now, I got 50 million masks like six months ago before all this. Crazy coincidence, right? But I was going to sell them to someone and they weren't home. So now in the back of my van, I've got 50 million of these masks. Do you want them? And the New South Wales government was like, fucking what a deal. Yes. (laughs) Oh, you have saved our butts. Like, I can understand people panic buying... Um, 20 masks for 40 bucks at their local chemist because that's an individual who wants masks. But, but the- you can see the masks. <laughs> you can also see them. That's the other thing. The chemist doesn't just have put a $20 note in this bucket and we'll get you some masks, we promise. But like, the, a state government is supposed to be set up so that these things do not happen to them. They're the ones that are supposed to be finding scams and prosecuting scammers and doing shit like that. Supposed to be doing so much heavy lifting. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- I mean, this is th- this is the, my fucking drum I will continue to beat about this, is that the New South Wales Premier at the moment, Gladys Berejiklian, is just fucking op- openly corrupt, involved with corrupt people, doing corrupt shit, has been on phone calls saying, oh, I don't need to know about that. Why don't you need to know about that? Gladys is because you know it's fucking corruption. Is yeah. that it? I gotta say, she's not openly corrupt. Like that, that's that's a that's a serious accusation there, Mitch. I think that she's corrupt in the same way that a person who's underneath uh, like a, a a thin bed sheet is naked. <laughs> they're not naked. They're under a bed sheet. She's she's done the bare minimum amount of defence. She said that she didn't want to know about the corruption, so she didn't know about the corruption. Mitch. I want plausible deniability for what? Nothing. No, don't worry about it. If you tell me, it won't be plausible. Now, will it? That scene in Austin Powers, where there just always happens to be a fruit bowl directly in front of Gladys yeah, Berejiklian's yeah. corruption, so you can't see, see it look, directly. At the heart of it all. <laughs> At the heart of it all, our brains are melting at, like, the idea of, okay, they're literally wanting to give this guy coming out of nowhere money. But this is the consequence of when you set up a government to be able Mm. to get away with things without an apology or without consequence. Turns out external actors can see that and go, huh, how can I manipulate that for my own means? That's the thing is, is is they're talking about, like, oh, do you reckon we should, like, ask him for, you know, evidence that the masks even exist and Berejiklian's like kicking down the door, smacking the phone out of their hand. Is that scrutiny I hear? Not on my watch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, let's just run this past the corruption watchdog and then everyone bursts into laughter. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if we had a corruption watchdog. We'd all be in jail. Yeah, Gladys Berejiklian's new boyfriend who was a lawyer from the fucking ICAC just being like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. We're all good. Somebody at the at the offices there has their like extremely geriatric little terrier who like sits <laughs> around in the office. They call him the corruption watchdog. Like, oh, <laughs> let's run this past the corruption watchdog. <laughs> what, what do you reckon, little little Benjo? Do you want to do you want to smell this document? Oh, he's he's tired. I can't I can't remember who said this, but someone said to me like um, on Twitter just like when this news was breaking um, the other day, and they were like. Well, how do you reckon, like, the one millennial in that office, if in compliance, <laughs> is going? Where he saw the Yahoo email address and repeatedly and patiently said, hey, guys, maybe we should check this out. Seems a bit sus. 
It's a Yahoo email address and all the boomers in the office going, no, nah, I reckon it's good though. <laughs> yeah, government full of boomers just constantly on the phones being like, what hackers in my computer? How did they? Okay, let me just find my credit card. I mean, you know, if we're talking about the New South Wales authorities here, then the experience of the corruption sort of investigations in the, the New South Wales government is surely the one young person at the office being repeatedly strip searched while everybody else gets away with whatever they want. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just think it's always worth bearing in mind, McLean. This is you, this is something you said fucking many episodes ago that stuck with me. Is that like when you talk about corruption, whether it is open or under a thin bedsheet, the corruption is corrupting something. And so yeah. I, d- I definitely think like there is su- there is a definite connection between the New South Wales government being utterly corrupt, and most state governments are. It doesn't matter what side of politics it is. But the more they can get away with stuff, the less they care about this shit. So scams can either go through because they have gutted compliance and investigations into things, so there's no way to follow this up properly, or they're not looking at it properly because they're too busy doing corrupt shit to look at the proper stuff they're doing. Like I would not be surprised if this whole thing came about because while they're busy embezzling taxpayer funds they're just sort of like someone find us a mask do the mask thing what's this oh 50 million that's yeah how how many people are in new south wales about 50 million whatever cool get some masks in like it's just an erosion of norms and standards it does make me seem seem like a fucking you know an old school like oh i love the nation but you do need to worry about a complete undermining of like trust and procedures and things like that because it leads to just dumb shit like this. Yeah, the, the fact that they were about to send like the initial $100,000 to Ike14 at yahoo.com <laughs> probably to like my guess is that nearly happened because none of that stood out as weird to them because yeah. they're yeah. constantly sending hundreds of thousands of dollars to random people <laughs> with random email addresses because they're just like, oh, who's this guy who's, you know, claiming he's going to sell us whatever? Does this email look sus to you? It's like, nah, <laughs> of course not, because my and- cousin's email address is that, and I sent him like five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> last week. Like, <laughs> what's the problem? Oh, and if it turns out it's a scam, it's just a hundred thousand dollars to a different scammer. It's you know that's all just going to come out in the wash. Yeah. I, I just also want to just uh, talk about the the his oil and gas scam just very briefly. We don't have many details on that, but apparently he just scammed investors out of one point two million dollars. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, I got a bunch of oil and gas," and <laughs> they they, they big quote marks bought it off him, and <laughs> friggin' Fuck, who knows where good. the money uh, went from there. But this is this is the beautiful act of solidarity yeah. that that all of us. This is this is climate action. Is just <laughs> telling people who want to invest in oil and gas that you have it <laughs> and they yeah. just keep that money that's the best use of 1.2 million dollars is not spending it on oil and gas love to see oh, that's fuck. a very good point so, uh, just a shout out to Ariel Doolittle uh, hopefully you don't face many consequences for the uh, New South Wales government scam because <laughs> they're a bunch of fucks and you as far as I can tell from this are a good person <laughs> doing the right thing a hero of the we people we have definitely set ourselves up for a milkshake duck here <laughs> <laughs> Scammer turns out to be bad. From Ariel Doolittle, the scammer (laughs) that took advantage of panic over masks. I just thought as well, 
that could be a really good way to like just undermine Bitcoin and NFTs. And I keep coming back to it for some reason, but just like, yeah, I've got this, I've got this wallet. Just send me actual money and I'll transfer it into like energy funds. And then just donate it to a green tech company. Fuck it. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll save that for the uh, actions at the end. We'll <laughs> set up a, a fund through which you can buy invisible gas and oil at really any amount that you want. And we do have that stock to supply. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess gas and oil companies are already scammers. They just uh, make <laughs> pollution in the process. Um, but his his interesting thing is this is one really shit dumb bit of failed corruption and griftery that we know about. We cannot assume that we know about all of these. There is for every one like this that has made it out into public knowledge. There's got to mm. be bloody ten or a hundred worse, more embarrassing ones that we don't know about. Um, and so keep that in mind with this next story because. <laughs> <laughs> One of the main grifters that loves to grift the Australian government, because we're entirely composed of backwater hicks and rubes. Um, is, well, golly. Is, is hicks a slur? I know rubes is accurate. Maybe hicks is mean. Um, but if you <laughs> Don't offend the Liberal Party, Lang. Don't offend the hicks. <laughs> yeah, don't be offensive and use what might be a slur by calling it hicks. Call them a pack of cunts. That's heaps yeah, better, Lang. Exactly. Get on board cunts? the podcast, Rhetoric. Cunts from all socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, the McKinsey Company. Uh, if you've heard of McKinsey, they're an American consulting group that I just notoriously shit. You might have heard of them from their time with Enron, Swissair, and Kmart. And by God, they put them on the map. And I'm <laughs> really annoyed that you already used that reference earlier. <laughs> <laughs> because all of those companies went bankrupt. Um, oh, but McKinsey's doing very well. So McKinsey's I don't think you can say. killing it. I don't think you can say they're predatory. <laughs> <laughs> Look uh, at how much money they're making. Would a predator yeah. make that much money, Lang? Yeah, they've made a lot of money with things like uh, worsening the US opioid epidemic. Being directly involved in the 2008 global financial crisis um, Helping the Saudis arrest dissidents Telling insurance companies not to pay out legitimate claims And a massive corruption scandal with the South African government That I'm, I'm not going to look into further <laughs> So our government, they're our go-to guys For giving us information on how to run our vaccine rollout Which you'll notice is going great. <laughs> so, Fuck. so obviously as experts in vaccine rollout faced with a pandemic, McKinsey yeah. would just be like, let's do what we can to help. Let's do it. Yeah, because they previously <laughs> also helped um, Florida open back up their economy, um, which went pretty well. So here are some highlights of what we've paid McKinsey for. Uh, quite recently, we paid them $2.2 million uh, for two months' work on something. Um, we're not allowed to know what that is. Uh, it was, all we know is it was some kind of research program involved in some kind of interdepartmental task force. That's all the government will tell us, but that's more information than we usually get. That's nothing. $2.2 million for question mark. Sometimes when we talk about like, oh, the government paid McKinsey $2.2 million for oh, writing down assets for nothing. We don't know what it means. Haha. This is legitimately the federal government will not tell us what $2.2 million taxpayer dollars went to McKinsey for. They're yeah. just like, ah, nah, research program. That's, that's not out of character because uh, last year they paid McKinsey almost $1.9 million for strategic supply chain support services for the vaccine, but they didn't even put that out for public tender or reveal it until May this year, <laughs> when that all happened back in, like, November. Um, and that's not allowed. When when you put out government oh, no. taxpayer money, you're meant to say, hey, 
here's our public taxpayer money up oh. on the website. Who wants to apply for this? And here's what it's for. Well, holy shit, Lang, that must have come with serious consequences for both McKinsey and the government, yeah? Ah, uh, yeah, you'd think so. <laughs> uh... No, I wouldn't. That's the thing, is I fucking wouldn't. <laughs> the government spokesperson there said, uh, the contract for this work had not been posted to Oztender as it had been incorrectly registered in the department's <laughs> financial management information system as being exempt from reporting. That was... <laughs> <laughs> we, oh, we, we thought that we didn't have to, and that's our whole full excuse. Dave Chappelle, I think, has a really good bit about he was like driving in his car with his white friend and they get pulled over and the cop is like, you really... Realized that you were speeding and his white friend goes, I'm sorry, officer. I didn't know I couldn't do that. And he got off. And that's like, I think the real exact same energy here of just like, what's your excuse? Oh, I didn't know that I couldn't do that. <laughs> On your way then, you're all right. It, it, it's dead. enough to like put it to like down to a technical issue. Yeah, we, we, we registered it in the wrong system. Therefore, it's fine. <laughs> I'm looking forward to like all the like, you know, a, a number of journalists um, putting in freedom of information requests on these. And then like in two years time, getting an extremely heavily redacted document that tells us nothing. <laughs> well, yeah, because oh, that yeah. happens. Like last year, they paid McKinsey $660,000 for advice on its vaccine and treatment stra- strategy. This is just before like we... While we were first trying to get vaccines, um, they paid McKinsey a lot of money to be like, what do we do about this, like, getting vaccine stuff? And McKinsey's advice basically came down to, quote, sit and wait um, and uh-huh. business as usual, which is just like, well, let's see how this whole virus plays out. Oh um, and when they questioned Greg Hunt on this, he denied that McKinsey influenced their decision and said their vaccine procurement, which, you know, was all AstraZeneca and they didn't really think things through, was was already underway, which is like, what this is- were you paying McKinsey for if they didn't influence your decision? You paid $600,000 to a consulting company uh-huh. to help you make a decision and it didn't influence your decision? Yes. Well, in in, in Greg Hunt's defence, McKinsey's advice was do what you're already doing. And so they're <laughs> like, I'm already doing this and they're like, keep at it and you then do, do keep at it. Like... <laughs> they kind of didn't influence yeah. the- <laughs> um, nothing. What a waste of money. I, I want to do a, like a callback to the thing I was saying um, mm. last episode, which is sometimes things happen at a federal level or just like you know, any sort of government decision, at, which is designed to make you feel like, hang on, do they actually like, you know, this is making me feel a bit sort of gaslit or just like, you know, they're outright lying to me and I know this isn't the truth. This is like one of those positions where McKinsey are paid as consultants. They are being paid for their advice. Mm. I'm not like against the principle of at some point, if you're not an expert in these services, the government has to outsource, you know, intelligence and understanding of how to do logistics or anything like that. But the point here is that McKinsey, there's no openness and transparentness about this. And even when it's found out what they paid McKinsey for this advice with, just the outright lie that, oh, yeah, it didn't influence the uh, influence our decisions. You paid them to influence your decisions, to make those decisions. So, yeah. And the fact that McKinsey apparently doesn't actually know much about this shit. They're giving bad advice. The government already has vaccine experts who give them advice. And when the freedom of information for this came out... What the government got from McKinsey for that $660,000 was an eight-page document of publicly available information. 
uh, that, <laughs> again, a year nine could have put together. And the government said, well, there was no specific advice, uh, heavy quotes there. Um, it was just like they gave us guidance for a couple of weeks. They just talked to us about stuff, but we can't give you any examples of what we actually got with our money. <laughs> <laughs> it's also the case that, like, surely they did a bad job. Like, when yeah, you look back at yeah. that and you're like, right, so they didn't influence our decision. They provided useless advice. Should we keep going with this company? <laughs> yes, we should. And here's yeah. the most recent one, which is $2.1 to investigate the potential for onshore mRNA manufacturing, which is making viruses in Australia, which was also making not- Making vaccines re- in Australia. <laughs> Sorry, well, which, is making, which is making vaccines in Australia. But you, we all know what a vaccine is. It's just the virus. They just inject you with the virus. <laughs> which was also not revealed to the public until the work was completed. Um. In total, in 2020, the government gave McKinsey $55 million (laughs) for consulting on our general COVID strategy. And what do we fucking have to show for it? (laughs) Clearly nothing. A sweet report. (laughs) A boosted economy. McKinsey's, you know, making bank over here. And that's real good for the the sort of state of uh, saying like, oh, Australia's good for corporations. Also, they're they're an American corporation. It's good for corporations. I didn't say Australian corporations. Corporations is what we want. No qualifiers. Also, Lang, like, uh, sure, the vaccine rollout might be bad, but imagine how much worse it would be if we didn't spend $55 million on advice from McKinsey. It'd be heaps worse, I'm assuming. Struggle to think how, honestly. I really struggle (laughs) to think how. Could have just split that $55 million up over the population of Sydney, which you'd be like, it's not <laughs> hundreds of dollars each because Sydney's a big city. <laughs> they but- could all get one mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be better than what McKinsey provided. <laughs> yeah, no, it is It is extremely weird that McKinsey just keep getting money from the Australian federal government for fucking nothing whatsoever. Also, just a fun, unrelated fact. Uh, the current Minister for Energy and Emissions Reduction, Angus Taylor, and his brother, Charlie Taylor, have actually all worked at McKinsey. Isn't that wild? Charlie <laughs> yeah, was a partner unrelated. for a while. That's totally yeah. crazy. Oh. If you want to hear more unrelated facts like that, I'd highly recommend checking out episode 20 <laughs> of this fucking show called What's the Go with Angus Taylor, where we go into heaps more of that sort of stuff because it's a lot of fun to just dig into the Taylor family's bullshit. Really? But sorry, sorry to go on a tangent, guys. I just wanted to get that unrelated fact out there. <laughs> I just like to hope that maybe they gave McKinsey a bit of job keeper money as well. Just because <laughs> they're not even Australian, they're not even eligible, yeah. but they just had some lying around. They're like, I have a bit of this spare job keeper. <laughs> I heard um, I heard this week, and I'm not backing this up with any uh, story. You can Google it. I heard <laughs> only 25% of job keeper money went to actual employees. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that yep. was it was in the Australian was Financial Review. Um, but there was essentially uh, 75% of companies managed to use JobKeeper as a uh, wage supplement as opposed to like passing it on directly to people. Because we all know, like, you know, Harvey Norman, a bunch of other companies increased their profits even without JobKeeper. And then they're just like, ah, we don't want to pay it back. And the federal government's like, ah, we're not in the business of asking people to pay back good faith loans. <laughs> when <laughs> robo debt's a thing that fucking exists, the fucking pack of evil fucking cunts. <laughs> But, oh like, even with all of that, the JobKeeper itself got into... 25% of it got into the pockets of workers, whereas the rest of it was just sort of like, oh, this is nice. This is keeping things at flight. Yeah, that's profits. That's beautiful. 
I have nothing further to say about JobKeeper other than the thing that I've constantly said, which is the government has the means to deposit money directly into the pockets of people. They've mm-hmm. done it before. Kevin Rudd, thank you. They do it every single year with with the ATO, with any sort of tax refund. So they are more than capable of doing the means of just specifically putting money into the pockets of people they choose mm. not to do so. That's all I have to say on it. Any other means of doing it is wrong. They just choose to put it directly into the pockets of Serena Russo. <laughs> <laughs> that is another thing that is um, coming out as well, is that it seems like the um, some of the stipulations for both JobKeeper and the new welfare that's coming through in parts of Sydney now and Melbourne and blah, 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 is that the... You know how it was supposed to be, oh, for JobKeeper, it has to go to the business and the business pays the person because that's how we keep people in those jobs for when we're back out of the pandemic and they can go back to work. Turns out that in a lot of the cases... What's actually happening is that the business has to keep the same amount of workforce, but it's not necessarily tied to the same people. So as long as they keep certain people employed to keep it above a percentage of workforce, then they're totally fine. Which is absolutely fucked in a pandemic because then you can threaten people with doing shit work, work that they feel like they have to do instead of self-isolating when they're part of a fucking tier one exposure site. But it also means that you can depress the wages they're already not paying people because it's being subsidised by fucking JobKeeper. And let's not forget, so many businesses, so many self-employed people just were simply not, um, you know, eligible Mm. for JobKeeper. They should have have been a business. You know, there's so many barriers to entry that it is unconscionable it exists in any form. It should be money directly into people's pockets. It should be that way now. The fact that it's still not come back in like a in a meaningful way to support people in New South Wales who are currently going to be in lockdown for a very long time, unconscionable. Put, yeah. Give people money to stay home. I saw a story that was like the New South Wales government struggling now with families in Sydney keeping COVID infections secret mm. because they're afraid that they'll lose income. Like oh, that's wow. a real problem that they're having to grapple with. But it's like this is a problem that is trivially solved by just giving people money. Yeah. There's no additional thought that needs to go into it. You're forced to stay at home because of COVID. You get some money. That Now that whole problem has instantly vanished. But they're like, oh, we we can't give people money for free, though. I know this is uh, down a real rabbit hole, but yeah. Yeah, did it turn out that policing your way into things was bad, huh? Yeah, but the, the, <laughs> the mother of the the removalists that got sick who died um, from COVID at home, um, you know, it's quite likely that she didn't want to, you know, get her sons in trouble and has died at home alone in, you know, horrific circumstances as a result. And she's just probably one of many who are just, you know, mm. trying to do the best they can to play by the rules and is just not getting any sort of protection or care um, to be able to look after other people. So how could you possibly expect it not to spread? One thing about JobKeeper, the most lizard people thing I heard is State Treasurer of New South Wales, Dominic Perrottet, said to media that New South Wales needs JobKeeper to keep the nexus between workers and businesses. They don't need it to keep them alive. They don't need it to stop COVID. They need it to keep (laughs) workers connected to businesses. And that is just saying the quiet thing out loud. Like, JobKeeper is there to keep people connected, to be- keep them reliant. That really is the most lizard person thing. It's just like, <laughs> so, so uh, pandemic response, what's the most important thing? Dominic Perrottet, we must maintain the nexus. <laughs> Perrottet, how go the rebels? <laughs>
I want to bring this back to McKinsey real quickly to close this up. Is um, I just googled McKinsey JobKeeper just to see if they got some, just to see mm-hmm. if that information. Oh, was there. Um, I didn't find it immediately, so I'm actually not going to drop that bomb on you. But what I did find <laughs> is a report from McKinsey called "Collaboration in Crisis: Reflecting on Australia's COVID-19 Response." During, <laughs> in which they identify three themes as critical enablers of decision making and action. Mm-hmm. One, building trust with citizens. Mm. Two, data led <laughs> decision making. And three, fostering effective collaboration across boundaries. So, <laughs> Here's another piece of information from McKinsey that Australia has not taken on board at all. <laughs> Building trust with citizens? No way. <laughs> What's the way to get, build trust? Deploy the army. Make you fucking sure they trust yeah. us. I suppose Greg Hunt was right. They did not take on board anything that McKinsey yeah, said, even sarcastically. They didn't influence our decisions yeah. then. Oh, boy. Well, fuck. It's been it's been all doom and gloom up until this point, but at least <laughs> at least we have a strong opposition. Episode eighty two so far. <laughs> at least we have a strong opposition that seems to be powering into this new election cycle, coming in hot, standing up for the downtrodden, making sure that if you are a worker, you will get yours under a Labor government. And the first thing that they did in the week just gone was agree to keep the coalition's stage three tax cuts and dump negative gearing changes. Woo! Not only is that a retreat from the working class fundamentals of the Labor Party, it's also fucking boring. Why is this a thing that comes out of the fucking Labour caucus as a thing to agree on to try to win the next election? They didn't come out with this like, we're going to have a broad strategy for some other thing to go along with it. Their whole plan for, at, at the moment at least, the only thing we know about is that they're scared of being done by the Murdoch press and the Liberal Party. So what they want to do is keep the coalition stage three tax cuts, which in boring, big big number talk that we all know and love that we're very across here at Not Good Enough, is that the tax rate will be flattened to 30% for all workers earning between 45000 uh. and 200000 which means people earning closer to 200000 pay the same tax as someone on $45,000. It's totally fucked. Uh, they also <laughs> ran a negative gearing campaign for the last election and then they got skewered for that as well because the Liberal Party and the Murdoch press were like, oh no, your negative gearing and your credits and stuff, your franking credits. And people just went, ah, I think that's scary. You're telling me it's scary. The, the thing about this announcement that shits me to tears is this fucking ridiculous idea coming from Labour fans and the Labour Party themselves and talking heads everywhere that now they're Murdoch proof. Now the Liberal Party have nothing to like to skewer them on. As if the Liberal Party aren't just going to make some shit up anyway. At any point in time. Have you never seen an election before this? Mitch, I actually think it's unfair that you're calling it a boring campaign because Albo now is going to... He's pivoting to Obama mode. (laughs) (laughs) In Australia, that just means putting on blackface. (laughs) 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 This will play well in Queensland, trust me. (laughs) He's got a picture... He's got a profile picture of himself holding a baby. Um, he's got lots of like he's done a brand new photo shoot where he's looking really serious and, and tough, tough on who knows what. Um, and, and just like the, the really, there was a really funny one this week. I, I don't know. Uh, this is the thing that really gets me about Labor, aside from even all their policy decisions or lack thereof. 
I don't know who they think they're appealing to. I think yeah. they suffer from the delusion that um, a lot of Democrats in the US did, which is that they really think that the online people who are their supporters are their supporter base entirely. So they are changing their sort of marketing and strategy to fit that. And that includes not only just the aesthetics of it, but also just dumping things that they think are unpopular with a very small contingent of rabid people who is like, well, Murdoch, are gonna, Murdoch, sorry, Murdoch is going to criticize you for this, so we may as well just get rid of it, like you said, Mitch. And one of those <clears> things is just like, oh, dental plans. We don't need those. We offered them to pensioners. I guess we'll just get rid of them. Meanwhile, everyone else is just like every sort of person in Australia needs to have universal dental care. We all have teeth. Yeah. Everyone has yeah, teeth. This is for the international listener. Australia has fairly good just like free universal healthcare coverage to like if you you can just go to a GP, it it doesn't cost you anything. Mm. Like compared to a lot of other countries, we're doing really well. Um but there's just weird gaps in that. And one of the biggest standout weird gaps is just dental care is not ever covered mm. by Medicare at all. It's just like, those are the bones that you have to pay for. Other <laughs> bones, you're okay. But those ones, those are the expensive bones. There's like a very, very small amount of dental care coverage for young people. And even that, they were basically harassed into it by independents and the Greens in order to give mm. that coverage. And in the last election, they said, okay... We're going to give dental he- dental coverage, but only to pensioners. And even that apparently is not enough to convince people. So they decided, you know what? We just want to we we want to get Australia back into the black, and we're just not going to do anything about it. This is again, this is going back to my most despised thing, which is the idea that the economy is like a a regular bank account. You don't mm, need to yeah. be in the black. You can spend things because you have to spend things. What are you doing sitting on your pile of gold? Spend it on people. You make the money. Yeah, that's the thing. You're sitting on our gold. (laughs) (laughs) We gave it to you to hold on to. That's our money. (laughs) Fix my teeth with it, please. That's what I never understood about the Howard era of this whole thing of like, look how much of your money we're not spending on essential services for you. Isn't that great? And just with a proper media framing, people just went, oh, it is. We've got all this money for a rainy day. I don't have any fucking teeth in my head, mm-hmm. but the <laughs> government has money for, like, I don't know, a war or something. Yeah. But Save yeah, it no, up the, and buy a yeah. submarine. This is frigging, you've, you've, you've got the little, you know, orphan boy on the street. You're like, hey, Timmy, here's, <laughs> here's a, a, a shilling, you know, nick down to the, <laughs> the, the shops and, and get me uh, some milk. And he comes back and he's like, I just kept the shilling. And you're like, oh, you're very responsible with that shilling. Very, very smart. I'll be giving you more shillings for milk later. I just, but Evie, that's a really good point of like, like federal labor uh, said that they are dumping a multi-billion dollar cancer plan and dental pledges um, to make sure that they can balance the books right because they, they're not you. sure that they can afford all of those treatments in particular <sighs> when they present their budget when they run for the election as if money's real which it isn't and as if people give a fuck which they don't unless you're the fucking online twitter weirdos who go through line by line in the ledgers and you look over 
over all of the different costings for things. It's like, mm, they've dropped dental and they've dropped cancer treatments, but ooh, they've picked up this school bonus that'll cost. We have just shown for 18 months that money's not real. The also, Liberal Party is running on the left of the Labor Party at the moment, giving away money for people so they don't die horribly and quickly, so they can die horribly and slowly. But you can just give away money. It's oh, also the, the fact that even if you were concerned with trying to balance the books, you could keep the cancer and dental pledges if you just yeah. didn't go along with the tax cuts to the rich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ironically, like they've given in to a conservative talking point too, which is the idea of treating yeah. an, an economy yeah. like a regular bank account. That is a conservative yeah. point. And in their, you know idea of okay well we need to make ourselves completely immune to any sort of criticism so let's just have no spending whatsoever mm. they have given into that and now they've lost their people who actually believe in that um yeah. and the third yes. thing on this is that <clears throat> if labor isn't paying for your cancer and dental that means people with cancer and dental problems are paying for yeah. that because those aren't optional things you can't just not pay for your <laughs> cancer treatment so labor has said we're gonna save money on cancer by making you pay for it Oh, it's so fucking myopic and evil of these fuckers to just like, because the, the whole push at the moment is like, we're going to win, we're going to aim for liberal seats. And so to win liberal seats, we have to be essentially liberal light, which is like, why, why would you why, yeah. when the liberal party are there? Like present, yeah. present a proper alternative. What is the point of the Labour Party? There, what is- yes. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that the, the Labour Party political strategy is a hundred percent now trying to pursue the votes of people where those votes already are instead of holding on to any kind of ideological stance mm. and trying to bring people along for that ride. There's no communication anywhere of yeah. like, we believe that this is good and articulating why this is good and, you know, we want to bring people over to our side. Instead, they're just like, well, people seem to be confused and racist and scared. <laughs> so what we will do is become the confused and racist and scared party and then people will vote for us. Mm. It's like, <laughs> maybe that's not a great strategy, guys. As, as, because then even if you win, you've transformed yourself into the fucking confused, racist, worst scared piece party. of the useless <laughs> shit that, that we could have. Like, why would you want yourself to be in power if you're contorting yourself into that terrible shape? I mean, you're becoming the party you were meant to oppose. <laughs> but, but but no, they go a little less than the party they oppose because you've now got the scared racist party going up against the confident racist party. Who's going to vote for the scared guys when the ones that are just like, yeah, no, nah, we know what's going on and fuck them. As opposed yeah. to, ah, oh, we're so worried as well. Fuck them. Oh, we've got we've got the party that's confused and scared and racist, and then you've got the party that made everyone confused and scared and racist, and those are the choices. I don't want to use a sports metaphor here, but unfortunately, yes, you do. unfortunately, yes, it's you down do. to me to use a sports metaphor. I, I really resent using this, especially in a political sense. But a good sports team can't be on the defensive all the time. You have to be both attack and defence. If a team is winning, you have to actually go there to try and score the goal yeah. on your own behalf rather than constantly trying to stop them from scoring goals. You have to have a mix of both. A hundred percent. The Labour Party's like, we don't need to go over there to score goals. There's a perfectly good net right behind us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't have signs and Verstappen coming in for the overcut every lap. It has to be an undercut sometimes to get ahead of yeah. Mercedes. You're absolutely right, Evie. <laughs> The Labour Party has to have 
uh, something that sets them apart because at the moment all they're doing is just constantly saying well if we were in party we would give you less than the liberal party is offering you (laughs) (laughs) and you want that right (laughs) i'm just imagining that it's fanta being like so people really like coke what if we made fanta a lot more like coke not as much like coke but like halfway between fanta and coke okay but the people who like coke are still going to drink the Coke, and now you've also lost anyone who didn't want Coke. Um, <laughs> but, of course, Fanta and Coke, just like in Australia, are both owned by the same company. <laughs> um, and the really... The, the thing that, that makes this uh, obvious that Labour is doing a dumb thing is that the Australian, which is the Murdoch press... Um, thinks that this is okay. Uh, they've said, yeah, good decision by Labour, but they still fucking hate Labour. So they've said, however cynical and politically expedient, (laughs) Anthony Albanese's attempt to appeal to (laughs) aspirational voters by promising to maintain the Morrison government's planned tax cuts serves the national interest. So they've gone, oh, look at these little fucks. Uh, They're being (laughs) cynical by going along with the right thing. We'll see how that plays out. Cool, Labor. Cool. Is that what you wanted? Is that the little thumbs up that yeah. you wanted? Hope you're happy. You got your little fucking write-up? I, I guarantee that some Labor staffer has run into the office waving this cat out above their head. We got positive coverage in the Australian. <laughs> We've done it. The policies are working. <laughs> Find that champagne. <laughs> they are fucking nerds. They 100% did. Elbows sitting there sagely nodding. We've oh, done it. Yes. We've done it. <laughs> like... <laughs> And then that staffer and Albo and a bunch of other people get together and go, what's the most confusing way we can talk about this online? That is also the other part of this. The tweets are fucking brain dead, make no sense. And I I cannot remember such just dog shit poor political messaging from a party. Tell us the tweets, Mitch. What are the tweets? So, huh. If I, if I stumble over my words, it's because I'm either getting very excited or I'm reading a fucking elbow <laughs> tweet. I, I, it's just, they are fucked. So the first thing that he tweeted through the week was, the tweet was, enough excuses. It's for Morrison to correct the errors of judgment he made last year when he was too slow to act. And he had a picture with that tweet that said, if I was PM, this is what I'd do right now. Pick up the phone to Washington until we work something out, just as Canada and Mexico have done. Uh, no other context for what the fuck he's talking about. No idea why Canada about? and Mexico have been brought up. What errors of judgment did Morrison make last year? What was he yeah. too slow to act on? What are you talking about? Yeah, what? also, if you make an error of judgment that was too slow, like, are you saying that he was too slow in making the mistake? Yes, that foot to the he floor. He should have made those errors of judgment more quickly. <laughs> Is that, is that the problem, Elbow? No, but what he needs to do is work something out. What, what should he work out? You know, something. He needs to, well, he did work something out. He just worked it out shit. Yeah. yeah. What would you do, Elbow? <laughs> I would work something out. Pick it's up the a- phone to Washington until we work something out just in Canada and Mexico have done. I have seen this before. It's not even the first time that I'm seeing this. It's breaking my brain again. <laughs> well, I'm inspired. <laughs> Last year- he was. He made an error of judgment when he was too slow. And what I would have done, not is I would have not made that error, or, and I would have done it quickly. Instead, we've got a new scene. We've just got a new environment here. Now I'm in an office on the phone. I'm talking to Biden. I get Trump. Maybe McLean. I thought you loved David Lynch. 
thought that was your yeah. whole thing. Oh, now that you framed it as Lynchian, <laughs> I'm a lot more on board with the Labour Party. Well, see see what you like about this one and the changing scenes and the slow motion mm-hmm. talking that's in backwards. And this is the second tweet that came out. The tweet was, you can't fix a problem if you pretend it doesn't exist with a picture that said, it's time for Morrison to end the blame game and correct the errors he made last year. He was too slow then, but we must get back on track. Mm. (laughs) Wait, wait, which... What's is he not acknowledging a problem, or was he slow, or was he blaming, just, or making errors? It's time for Morrison to end the blame game. He's been playing the blame game, and it's time for him to stop. No more blame game, and it's Morrison's fault. <laughs> this is the thing I was saying before, where they've wedded themselves to a specific person or a specific thing being the problem, where as soon as that's vanquished, they have nothing left. Like, oh, it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, great. We're going to talk about Morrison being the problem. If in between now and the next federal election, if Morrison gets rolled, what happens then? Yeah. And that won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, then we'll get Peter Dutton. We lose like we were going to lose anyway. Labor's whole thing was they fucked up the vaccine rollout and they didn't do hotel quarantine. So if Dutton comes along and goes, yeah, if it was me, I would have built jails on every city block. I was like, oh, okay, cool. What, I, what now then? The only strategy they have is to continue to then tweet vaguely. He's like, ah, that wasn't the problem we were talking about, Dunn. Ha ha. (laughs) He's playing Thank God You're Here, where he can't name the problem because if he says the wrong thing, if he's like, oh, Morrison fucked up the vaccines, they'll be like, well, actually, there was this, and what would you have done? Then he'd be pinned. He has to be like, oh, he's, he's, you know what I'm talking about. He's doing the whole thing bad or slow. He can't (laughs) even name the problem vaguely. Not. There's not a single problem Like, this is vagueness about vagueness. He was too slow then, but we must get back on track. Back on track is not a... (laughs) Like, you don't get off track by going too slowly. You go by going the wrong way. (laughs) He he was going in the wrong direction then, but we must get back on track. Or he was too slow then, but we must catch up. (laughs) What's your metaphor, Albo? What's in your head when you're saying these words? You could use these tweets at literally any point in the last five years, even pre-pandemic. You'll notice he does not mention the pandemic. These could be no. about bushfires. Yeah, it's just the last, errors he made. The last only year. reason he can't use them, no political person could use them for the last forty-five years, is that they say Morrison. But even then, that could go <laughs> all the way back to Morrison being the fucking immigration minister. Like th- th- these do. I think it's nothing. really funny that he probably thinks this is a genius idea. Holy shit! No, pick up the phone to Washington until we work something out. Oh, like a refugee refoulement program, just as Canada and Mexico have done. These were just sitting in his fucking draft folder on Twitter from fucking 2016. I literally think, this is going back to what I was saying before, which is where uh, whoever's on the comms team for federal labour really has that sort of online mentality where they're like, ha ha, someone's going to make a joke about picking up the blower and sorting it out. And this is Mm. definitely the mentality that has gone in, into make into thinking this is a good comm strategy, which makes it even funnier about like who is this for? It's time for Morrissey to end the blame game and correct the errors he made when he left the Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is like anyone who sees this tweet who follows a Labour account by choice for some fucking reason <laughs> will probably know what this is about. And that is not at all a fucking election winning strategy to pinpoint vague things to them directly. But 
I just I just can't help but feel that these are like committed to death tweets. Mm, like someone, be. yeah, someone has put forward like I would pick up the phone to Pfizer until we work something out, and then someone's gone. Mm, nah. Maybe mentioning a company is not going to be the best look, so maybe we should like be vague about it. And someone's like vaccine CEOs. No, that's too. That's making it yeah. a personal problem. Washington, yeah, Washington, we're in it. Where else? And and they just Washington's pick apart okay. every little bit. Oh, but then it feels like we're just sort of setting ourselves to be, up to be like vassal states of America. So oh, let's say that Canada and Mexico picked up the phone to Washington as well. Is that a thing that Canada and Mexico are known for, picking up the phone to Washington until we sort something out? Sure. Washington, D.C., you mean? Or are we talking like Oregon? (laughs) Just on the the phone to Seattle. (laughs) Hey, you got some steep streets. Do you want (laughs) to... But it's like, yeah, it's for Morrison to correct the errors of judgment. Like, I could see that being like, that. it's for Morrison to correct the error of his ways. Nah, it's too cliched. What about the errors of judgment? Oh, that could work. And just constantly pulling these apart until everyone in the fucking Labour Party is convinced of their own bullshit. And they look at it and go, oh, perfect. He was too slow then, but we must get back on track. Oh, perfect. Yeah. It doesn't do anything, but none of us disagree with it, and that's progress. Labour. <laughs> I feel like just from the moment Mitch, every episode from the moment Mitch says, like, at least we have a strong opposition, I think my brain just does, like, a transition to the Wackadoo Cafe. <laughs> it's that part of the episode where just weird shit happens for 20 minutes. And now let's go back to the little kids. <laughs> Good news this week, uh, the workers at Better Red Than Dead have reached an agreement with their management. Historic agreement, by the way. This is the first yes. this is this was the first threatened strike in retail in decades, since the 70s, the first industrial action in retail since the 70s. So well done to them. Hope this Trailblazers. Is, I hope this is inspirational to other people who either work with um, any of the new unions. Think about mm. this in your workplace. Is this something that you can do and will be able to stand together with your co-workers? Strikes work. This kind of labour power just keeps working. And the reason that it is suppressed so much is because it fucking works and they don't want people to know that it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's also worth pointing out that Better Red Than Dead is not like a Dimmicks. Or like it's a small bookstore mm. that's just had that staff be like, fuck this. No, yeah. we represent a sort of when we're standing together we represent a power that the management can't deal with because rehiring your and retraining your entire staff is very expensive and they're like yeah you have to choose between rehiring and retraining your entire staff or just give us a pay rise and treat us better Mm. and the 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 management has gone fuck okay and that that's what a win looks like that's it's it's amazing speaking of new unions as well as another action Queensland, join your goddamn renters union. We don't have a renters union. You do now. Secure. <laughs> Wrong idiot. Bam. Um, it's. I do have to just as a shout out the fucking the Southeast Queensland Union of Renters or Secure. Fucking it's good name. So good. S e q u r. And their little logo, the U, is an upside-down padlock about to be smashed in as you padlock the landlord out of their own property and you fucking yeah. squatting it. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Queensland. <laughs> Queensland. Um, unless you're in, like, anywhere north of southeast Queensland, I guess. They've sort of put themselves in a hole there. 
They are they are expanding. Um, Rahu, the renters and housing union down in Victoria that Evie and I are directly involved in, has been uh, like talking with these guys for a while. They have now finally fucking launched. If you are in Queensland, who are now in a fucking as a time of recording, three day snap lockdown. Please take care of yourself. Hopefully, it doesn't get extended. <laughs> Join the fucking South East Queensland Union of Renters. The work Rahu has done down here during these lockdown has fucking changed people's lives. It has saved people's lives. Getting together with fellow renters and telling fucking landlords mm. and real estate agents to absolutely and unequivocally fuck off is <laughs> one of the best feelings in the world. Cannot yeah. more highly recommend you join this fucking union. And it's another example of when you do have the power and they are more afraid of you, but they don't want you to know that. They're like huntsmen. Skittering around your house, hiding in corners, and running off when you threaten them with literally anything. Oh, but huntsmen serve hey, a useful now. purpose. Yeah. Yeah, huntsmen's all friends. <laughs> They're like huntsmen, little cuties who eat the bugs. <laughs> I had a huntsman in my house for like most of winter last year, and that lazy fuck did nothing. He just stood in a corner and looked threatening the entire time and then disappeared one Didn't day. and looked threatening. Oh, so that is like a real estate You're agent. projecting that. I, no, I am. I fucking hate Huntsman. I read Children of Time and it broke my brain and now I think spiders are lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um, another action this week. Um, like the rest of you, I have been at home completely mainlining the Olympic Games, even though I've spoken <laughs> yeah. repeatedly about how the Olympics are bad. I still love the Olympic Games. I will still love the Olympic Games. IOC can go suck a fuck. But <laughs> however... <laughs> Um, you should definitely listen to the, one of the more recent episodes of Citations Needed, a fantastic podcast. Um, they had a live interview about how the pandemic games exposes the neoliberal scam of global sporting events. So basically just talking about the corruption, the kind of effects it has on the various countries to have the Olympics there. Uh, we talk, They talked to some organisers um, who are all coincidentally also Olympics tragics themselves, but know the harm that the actual organisation and the juggernaut of the Olympics does to societies. Uh, look, there's a way surely that we can make the Olympics good again. Mm, yeah. Also... Loving the Olympics right now. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the Olympics, but no shout out to the IOC. Yeah, good luck good to luck all to our, our athletes. athletes only. <laughs> Nationalize the Olympics. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I've indulged in so much nationalism in the last week or so. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> this is the start of our pivot, ladies and gentlemen. This is where we start to slowly go into the weird alt-right. I'm becoming Don't bag left to alt-right pipeline. <laughs> It's straight through the IOC. Speaking of the alt-right, though. Uh, Ospol Snackpod. Final shout-out. Ospol Snackpod. They're, they're not the alt-right. Um, Ospol Snackpod's latest episode, they've got a friend of the pod, Tom Tanaki, on, and uh, he's a, just an alt-right researcher expert, and they're talking about all the anti-lockdown movements. And just that a lovely we man. We were talking about last episode. Our level of expertise was to just shout gronks a lot. Uh, Tom Tanaki <laughs> also shouts gronks, but brings a lot of knowledge to the table. So uh, shout-out to that. Uh, episode. We'll put a link to that in the show. Yeah, he's he's a researcher into the alt right. He's not an alt right researcher. Yes, that's a good <laughs> distinction. <to make. laughs> alt right researchers are just people who just scroll supplement sites to figure out how to get ripped off the hardest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just buying stuff from this booth at uh, Comic Con for research. That's all this is. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. You can review and share us on all the manner of different apps. Apple Store, 
podcast downloader. Uh, <laughs> Nailed it. Fubar two thousand. <laughs> Leave us a comment on Pirate Bay. Yeah, we should start seeding our fucking torrents of the show. <laughs> That's a top down approach. I think that our dedicated fans should seed our torrents. It's a, it's a, an active community. Get Power to the people. <laughs> but no, reviews really do help us. Sharing it by word of mouth really does help us, and we fucking love it. We love seeing us like when you tag us out in the wild and I look at it and I'm like oh this is a positive one because like 19 out of 20 are positive it's so nice keep doing it we yeah. really appreciate get it get out in public rip your mask down off your face and shout out <laughs> listen to Not Good Enough <laughs> Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation we want to pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and the land that we record on is stolen